0: The Powers on Sports podcast is brought to you by Titan Home Lending, TicketSmarter.com, and our Florida realtor, Drew Felios. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A okay. It is... Oh! God! 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. But two one. Lane, drive, right Lane yes. Here the two-one, swung line drive left This is the Powers on Sports podcast. All right, welcome in Powers on Sports podcast happy new year twenty twenty four is here. Let me be the last to wish you a prosperous new year. hope everybody was safe and sound over the New Year's Eve weekend. We had a little fireworks over here by my where I'm at down here in Tampa a little bombs over Baghdad it seemed like for a good little bit, but a good uh New Year's Eve pretty uneventful. Had a good New Year's Day. Had the opportunity to work with uh, my guy T.J. Reeves uh, calling the Relia Quest Bowl, helping him up on the radio broadcast. T.J. did an excellent job calling that uh, Wisconsin-LSU game, which turned out to be a really good bowl game on New Year's Day. Uh, we obviously had the college football playoff on New Year's Day as well. Two thrillers. Both of them decided on the last play of the game. Uh, Michigan beats Alabama 27-20 in overtime, and then you had the Thriller in New Orleans where Texas had four chances from the 12 in the last 20 seconds to beat Washington and came up short losing 37-31. So you have a Michigan-Washington College Football National Championship game on Monday night coming up in Houston. Um, we are going to get into this game in depth with Coach Jim Levitt, who is going to review the, uh, break down the the big moments of the semifinal games, as well as preview the title games on Monday. Coach Levitt's also going to give some insight on his experiences coaching in the NFL come playoff time. Uh, you obviously a week eighteen coming up. You got some teams that have to win. You have other teams that are. That are are they are you going to play for momentum? Are you going to sit guys? Are you not going to sit guys? And you have other teams that are completely out of it. So Coach Levitt's going to uh, provide some great insights on how the, the 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 psychology of all those different scenarios for guys in the NFL. And he's going to again he's going to break down the uh, college football championship game Monday night, as well as talk about some of the key moments in these semifinal games. Uh, that were on New Year's Day, which there were many, many, many uh, big moments there in those games. So we'll get to Coach Levin in just a few minutes. want to give you a go down a few notes, uh, news and notes as we uh, go through the week. Again, week 18 coming up in that last week of the regular season. Playoff wise, we've got the uh, the 49ers and Baltimore have clinched the number one seeds. They are the clear favorites in those conferences Uh, Both teams, I think, are going to be big favorites as they they enter the playoffs. Remember, they're going to have a week off in the first round. They'll have the bye, and then they'll play the divisional and the conference title games at home, assuming they win. But you still have division titles in the AFC and NFC South. Both of those will be determined this weekend. You still have the 6th and 7th seed in the NFC to be determined. And you have the 6th uh, and 7th seed in the AFC to be determined. Cleveland has locked up the number 5 seed in the AFC. Uh, they don't have anything to play for. And then in the NFC, you're going to have the Philly-Dallas loser of the NFC East is going to be the five seed as well. Uh, Detroit still could move up to the two seed depending on what happens with the Dallas Philadelphia scenario, um, but and then the Buck and then the winner of the NFC South will be the four seed. Bucks win and they're in. If the Bucks lose, then the winner of the New Orleans Atlanta game will win the division and get the home game in week uh, in the wild card round against either uh, most likely Philadelphia, but either Philly or Dallas. So, still lots to play for uh, in the in the in the playoff circuit. Again, it will be. There's already been a uh, mass exodus of guys that are not going to play this week. Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Brock Purdy, Joe Flacco, and you're going to see some others. If they do play, they may not play extended minutes. Guys like Jared Goff and company. Stafford's not going to play. A lot of, uh, you know, obviously teams that have already clinched their spot. The Rams, for example, they're in the playoffs. Just a matter of whether they're the seventh seed or the sixth seed. A lot of their guys are going to sit. Uh, Cleveland's gonna sit all their all their big guys uh, with Cleveland, and again San Francisco and Baltimore are gonna sit a bunch of guys too. So uh, it'll be a a little bit of a tricky tricky weekend watching games, there'll be, but there'll be st- still plenty of good games. And then the last game, Sunday night, you're going to have Buffalo-Miami. You could have a wild scene in Miami. It could be a situation where the Dolphins could, could get the two-seed. They could drop to the six-seed. Buffalo could, in theory, be the two-seed as well with two home games. They could be the six-seed. Or there's a scenario where they could be playing for their playoff lives on Sunday night as well, depending on what happens in a couple of the other games during the weekend. So could be a very wild scenario. Uh, shout out, uh, you know, if you saw the news, Tyreek Hill had a fire at his house, so hopefully... All that is okay on that front. And I, I assume you will see you will see Tyreek play Sunday. But the Dolphins are are we'll see what their injury status is. Lost some guys last week. Xavier Howard, Bradley Chubb most likely won't play. We'll see what the status is of Jalen Waddle and Raheem Mostert. But again, it'll be a very interesting game in, in Miami Sunday night NBC for the NF AFC East title, as well as the two seed in the AFC will be on the line there on Sunday night. Um did you see the story about the shakeup potentially at CBS with the NFL Today? News broke on Wednesday. I saw where there's most likely going to be a shakeup with the with the uh, NFL Today coverage. James Brown potentially, Phil Sims and others could be out. Uh, there's chatter that Nate Burleson might take over that hosting role for that show. I know Phil Sims' contract is up at CBS. Uh, remember, he was removed from the booth when they when they brought in Romo. Um, I could see definitely see Phil Simms elsewhere next year. Uh, James Brown, we'll see what, what he ends up deciding to do. He's been in the, been been in the broadcasting world a long, long time. Will he maybe retire at some point or go or transition to something else? We will see. But again, an so interesting shakeup at the uh, at CBS potentially. What it sounds like is going to happen with the NFL uh, pregame coverage. Did you see that the Baltimore Ravens? are going to honor Ray Rice as a Raven legend. That when I saw that that they were going to honor this guy, I have a I have a major problem with that. Obviously, we know Ray Rice uh, from back in the day, good running back, but then obviously he was he was caught on videotape with the assault of his girlfriend in the elevator. Uh, you know, it's probably been 8 or 10 years now of that. I am really surprised that they are that they are uh, you know, honoring Ray Rice in that uh in that way with the ravens organization that'd be something i wouldn't do if i was the owner i'd have a hard time doing that given the uh the, the history there i know he's not gotten in any further trouble since that but that is just such a black eye i'd have a hard time uh celebrating ray rice in that scenario there but uh, um um other interesting bit of news did you did you see what what broke on wednesday night as well the jeffrey epstein list is getting released of of documents of released of who uh who you know who is who had relationships with jeffrey epstein who visited his island who had business relationships? Who had personal relationships? Potentially going to you know involved in in that in, in the horrific scandal he was involved with. Obviously, Epstein was killed in jail uh, in the last uh, couple allegedly killed. I shouldn't say killed. He died in jail uh, by suicide allegedly. Um, but uh, Jeffrey Epstein, um, you know, list be very interesting to see if there's any famous professional athletes involved there's some speculation that there will be some professional athletes potentially involved some big names some political figures some entertainment figures so it be very very interesting to see who who was on that list and did you see that uh, your boy Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show called out Jimmy Kimmel as a potential person on that list and Jimmy Kimmel lit him up uh, with a threat of a lawsuit vehemently denying any any involvement in that. Uh stay tuned to that to see how that unfolds. But what a what a what a moron uh Aaron Rodgers is apparently Rodgers and Kimmel probably ha- have had some beef in the last couple of years obviously with Rodgers is uh, vaccination stances. I know Jimmy Kimmel made some made some jokes about Rodgers and all that stuff. So it's probably Rogers' way of taking a shot back at Kimmel, but it's not a good shot. You can't be making those kind of allegations against somebody with no proof. And obviously Kimmel came out vehemently and threatened a lawsuit and such if if, if there was any further word on, on, on on that front. So we'll see how that percolates here in the next few days. Obviously with this list coming out, there will be some bombshells, I am sure, on this list. Obviously there's been some speculation about Former President Clinton and some other political people, Trump potentially, uh, as well as I'm sure there will be some entertainers and some professional athletes, whether pr- current or former, that could be uh, implicated in this in these documents being released. So uh, that will be very interesting to see as we move through the weekend. A couple other notes, and then we'll get to Coach Levitt. Um, Lamar Jackson most likely has wrapped up the MVP, obviously with his terrific performance against San Francisco and Miami the last two weeks through five touchdowns against Miami. He was flawless in a beatdown of the Dolphins in Baltimore, clinching the number one seed. He was tremendous and good for Lamar wrapping up the number one seed. But still the questions remain with Lamar. Can he win in the playoffs? He's got a one in three playoff record, has not played well in the playoffs in previous years. Uh, different year, I get it, different team, different set of receivers. We will see a lot of pressure on Lamar Jackson to get to the Super Bowl this year. And if he doesn't, it'll be a it'll be a not a good uh not a good offseason for Lamar Jackson if he doesn't he doesn't get to the playoffs, I mean, excuse me, to the Super Bowl. With as much talent as he has, the Ravens have, they got home field. They're they will be the clear favorite in the AFC. Um, but So we will see Lamar Jackson, but most likely he will have wrapped up his second MVP uh, performance, second MVP award with his terrific two performances in the last couple of weeks, San Francisco and Miami. Uh, Wander Franco, baseball note, uh, was arrested down in the Dominican Republic. If you haven't been following that story, a lot of allegations and, uh, and gathering an investigation of Wander Franco potentially um, having – uh, relationships with underage girls uh, down in the Dominican Republic. So he did not show up for his hearing, which kind of made him on the loose. And, the, and he, he was finally detained over the weekend. He's got a hearing coming up, uh, I think later in the week. That's going to determine whether any charges are going to be filed against him. But it is not a very it is not a good situation for Wander Franco. From all indications, he will not be playing baseball in 2024. Um, you know, obviously it's more, you can be even more serious if he gets charged with, uh, potential rape or whatever the allegations are. Um, that could be massive problems for Wander Franco, young guy, you know, here for the Tampa Bay Rays here in my, my part of town, just signed a huge contract in the last year or so, uh, worth over a hundred million dollars. Obviously that money will not be paid if he's suspended and or, uh, banished from baseball. So we'll see what the, what MLB does. If indeed he is charged, and most people believe that he will be charged with some uh, uh, some crimes down in the Dominican Republic. So uh, not a good uh, sin- situation for Wander Franco as we enter 2024 as well. Last two things we want to hit on is the officiating blunders uh, and then some time management issues. Obviously, we saw last week the uh, the wild finish in Dallas on Saturday night between the Lions and the Cowboys uh related to the to the offensive linemen did did they report did they not report which one reported which one didn't uh obviously Brad Allen and his crew have had a rough year uh this year and it just got uh it just culminated with the Dallas situation Brad Allen announces number 70 is, is eligible when number 68 really should have been eligible they throw the ball to 68 for the two-point conversion uh they don't convert even after all that Dan Campbell still should have kicked the extra point to tie the game. You can't be going for two from the seven-yard line. He got a break and got the offsides call to move it to the three-and-a-half. But even so, I'm still kicking the extra point at that point after the third attempt. I'm uh, kicking the extra point there to get the game to overtime. Didn't like Dan Campbell going for two. I liked him going for two on the first attempt from the two. But once there was a penalty and the issue that, that arose, arose, I think he got... Carried away. He got it. He got wrapped up in the emotion of the moment and said, screw it. I'm going to go for two. F these officials. F the Cowboys. Um, they had an opportunity to be the two seed had they won the game because of what happened the next day involving Philadelphia. So hopefully uh, this will not come back to rouge for the Lions. But I have a feeling it will because Dallas is most likely going to be the two seed now that the Philadelphia Eagles lost last week, and I think Dan Campbell in in retrospect will regret going for two from the three and a half yard line on the third attempt. But back to the officials, just a bad year for for Brad Allen's crew. You will not see Brad Allen in the in the playoffs. I would be shocked if you see anybody from his his crew. Maybe one person from that crew that's not been involved in any of the controversy through the, throughout the year, but their crews had a rough year. Um, I've actually met Brad Allen before at an officiating clinic several years ago. Um, But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Brad at the end of this year. Again, can guys make mistakes? I get it. But that's one you can't make. You got to know you can't be in a hurry. You got to know who's eligible. You got to make sure you report the right numbers and all that stuff and make sure you're clear. From all indications, Dan Campbell went over the scenario in the pregame of what was kind of going to happen. You can't ever dictate the exact number of which guys are going to be eligible because you get you got injuries, you got formational things, but I'm sure that that play was discussed, uh, and hopefully it doesn't come back to uh, kill the Lions and kill Brad Allen's career. Uh, But again, rough year for the the Brad Allen crew. They're going to be, I'm even more surprised, they're going to be the the front and center with the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game on Saturday, the first game of Week 18 national TV. Pittsburgh's got to win the game, so I was a little surprised that they're going to put that crew into that game and not move that crew to a meaningless game somewhere in the schedule. But they didn't, so you'll see Brad Allen on Saturday afternoon in Baltimore in a must-win game for the Steelers so hopefully no more issues there but in the in the in this big picture of officiating the NFL you you got some problems man I, I you know I'm an official for I've been an official for 20 years and I just and I've seen it whether it's guys getting to college guys getting to the NFL there's too much emphasis on looking the part whether it's a physical appearance whether it's who you, who, you who, who was your father maybe you you have a lot of nepotism in the NFL officiating world a lot of sons of former officials are in the NFL a lot of guys with close relationships, brothers, sons of officials that are in the NFL and I just think you get yourself in big trouble when you continue to, to, to ride that train of not picking guys with that know the game there's a difference between knowing the game and knowing the rule book. there's a difference between playing the game knowing the game, situational awareness. So many of these calls are just things that, that, to me, are situational awareness that if you've been around the game for 30 years, you've been not, not an official. I'm talking about players playing. You have a feel for things. I just think that the NFL has done too many things over the last year. Same with college. College is just as guilty as this as well. There's a lot of, of uh, who you know, who you, you know, the old – the old term "who you know" and "who ya you, you know what" to get it to get into a college officiating. Um, a lot of guys that they get into a college fishing have no business being college officials. I'm just being honest with you. I've been around these guys. There are a lot of guys that again look the part, whether it's physically. You might be six foot two, six foot two, and you look great. You're too many, too many guys with not enough game experience that are getting selected to work in these college games. And that's where the NFL gets most of their NFL guys is from the college game. That's where they get them all. So you got guys that are just getting promoted too quickly and too, too, uh, for various reasons. That's what's causing I'm not a huge proponent that they, that they need to be full time officials. If they were full time, great. But again, you can these guys spend a lot of time in the offseason studying and that kind of stuff, and I get it. They do a lot of good a lot of great things. But there are some things that are happening in the NFL in the, in the officiating world from both college and the NFL that just have to be better. They, they've got people that just have to do a better job at evaluating what makes a good official, and too many guys are getting promoted at, at, at too early a stage of their careers that are just not good enough officials. Whether it's a judgment issue, whether it's an awareness issue, game management issue, all those things play into being a good official, and too many guys are getting are getting uh, pushed up the chain too quickly to the college and the NFL ladder, uh, ladder um, which creates these problems. So. All right, time management issues, a couple things. Again, we talked about the Dan Campbell situation. Mike McCarthy does a lousy job at the end of uh, the last two minutes to give Detroit an opportunity. Didn't like how he handled the last two minutes of that game. Run the ball, make them use their timeouts, milk the clock, kick the field goal and Detroit. would have only had about 35, 40 seconds to go 75 yards. He doesn't do that. Gives Detroit an opportunity with like a minute 40, and they go down and score. The Huskies of Washington in the, in the playoff game. A little bit of bad luck at the end when the player got injured, which by rule stops the clock. But even before that, they did not do a great job in the fourth quarter with the lead, double-digit lead. They didn't use much clock on a couple of those possessions for throwing the ball all over the place. If you're going to throw the ball, you have to throw passes that you know are going to be completed, Sp- screens, swing passes, bubble screens, things like that that you know are going to be caught which is going to keep the clock running. But you can't keep airing it out 25 yards down the field and incomplete passes and stopping the clock. So it'll be very interesting to see how, ha- how the clock gets handled on Monday night in the championship game. Will Michigan try to make it a slower game with the clock? Will Washington try to keep it as a track meet? It'll be very interesting to see. But again, Coach uh, Levitt will give you some good insights on that as we move forward. Um, and Black Monday in the NFL. You're going to see some whackings happen on Monday. We already know uh, three vacancies with interim coaches. You got Vegas. You got the Chargers in Carolina. Be very interesting to see if Antonio Pierce keeps that job in Vegas. Um, They seem to like him out there. You'll have a new coach in Carolina and the Chargers for sure. Is Bill Belichick going to survive in New England? The mad that will be the that will be the number one question. Will Bill Belichick make it in? I think you'll hear pretty quickly from uh, Kraft one way or the other. Will uh, be interesting to see. Tennessee does Mike Vrabel survive? There's some there's some chatter that he and the GM don't get along great. Will they? Will that be a mutual parting of the ways? Could Vrabel potentially be a candidate in New England if Belichick leaves? Um, we'll see. Will Belichick be a candidate if he's let go in, with the Chargers and Herbert? Belichick can still coach, you just can't pick the players very good. So if uh, we vary, you to see if uh, Alex Spanos and company uh, make a run at Belichick, if he's available, maybe does a team like Washington, which Rivera's not going to make it, do they make a run at Belichick with the new owner? All four teams in the NFC South, Atlanta, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, could all potentially have new coaches. If the Bucs lose on Sunday to a two-win team, when you had two weeks to win a division title, I could see a scenario where Todd Bowles doesn't make it. I think he's done an admirable job this year, but if they they if they if they vomit all over themselves on Sunday in Carolina and don't win that game and they lose that game, I could definitely see the Glazers making a run at an offensive guy, whether it's a guy like Harbaugh, whether it's a guy like Ben Johnson from Detroit, something like that. So Todd Bowles needs to win that game uh, on Sunday in Carolina to, to keep his job. If he does, he's safe. New Orleans, if they lose to Atlanta – I, I could see Dennis Allen getting removed. All, a lot of expectation. Same with Atlanta. I think I, I think Arthur Smith's not going to make it unless he wins the division title somehow on Sunday. I think if Arthur Smith doesn't win the division title, I think he's going to be out in Atlanta. Uh, and then, again, you have uh, Tennessee, the, the situation in Tennessee, and the David Tepper situation in Carolina. It would be very interesting to see what kind of coach he goes after. Is it an assistant? Is it a guy who's got some experience? is he willing to give up the operational control to the, to the owner? tepper has been a disaster as an owner. Obviously you obviously saw in the news throwing the drink on the uh, the fan in Jacksonville, fined about 300,000 by the NFL. That's a disgrace that they only fined him that much and with no no further penalty. That's a disaster. If I was that the 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 patron who got thrown, I would I would file a lawsuit against Tepper, and at least force him to write to write that guy a check for a couple hundred thousand for his for his uh, the disgrace that that was. But again, the NFL just has got to get David Tepper under control. These antics and these outbursts are just are just not good for business. And obviously, you have the Russell Wilson situation in, in Denver. Uh, we'll be interesting to see. But again. Potentially nine jobs. I've, I've written down a potential nine openings that you could have early next week, But depending on what happens this weekend. I think you're for sure going to have New England, Chargers, Vegas, Carolina, Washington, Atlanta. That's six right there. New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Tennessee could be, depending on what happens this week. And there's always typically one coaching move out of left field that comes out of nowhere of a guy that we thought was safe and isn't. Uh, Mike Tomlin obviously is probably is not going anywhere in Pittsburgh. I don't imagine, uh, but you never know what could happen there. Um, but again, there's typically always one 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 move that comes out of left field. If somebody could a guy like Matt Lafleur, if they don't make the playoffs, could he be in any kind of trouble in, in, in Green Bay? A guy like that, Eber Flusis sounds like he's going to be kept. Um, but again, well, Rob. It sounds like Robert Sala is going to survive. But if Buffalo, for example, Sunday night, if they don't make the playoffs, let's say something happens and they lose to Miami, and the other things happen, and Buffalo doesn't make it, I could see Buffalo moving on from Sean Mc, Sean McDermott as well. So keep your eyes open. Black Monday's coming on Monday. Um, three picks for the weekend for you from some pewter picks, some pewter picks. Um, I like Houston on Saturday, minus the one. If they win the game, they're in the playoffs. I like Houston, minus one, at Indianapolis. That'll be a tough game, but I like C.J. Stroud indoors. I think he'll do a good job there. I like Green Bay, minus three on Sunday. If they win, they're in the playoffs. Got to beat Chicago at home. Remember, Green Bay lost at home last year to Detroit to get knocked out. I think they'll find a way to beat the Bears in Lambeau. Jordan Love playing pretty good. The running game. The good receivers. You got Jair Alexander back, Christian Watson back. I like Green Bay at home with Jordan Love. They were very impressive last week on the road in Minnes, excuse me, in Minnesota. And then last one, I'm going to do a two-team teaser. Tease the Bucks to win the game, just win the game, and tease Cincinnati down to a pick'em or minus one against Cleveland. Cleveland's not going to play anybody. Garrett. Flacco, Amari Cooper, the 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 DBs on the on the backside. You're gonna see the best couple of offensive linemen sit. I think Jake Brownie's gonna is gonna will, will be motivated to play. He's playing for a contract. Jamar Chase, Higgins, Mixon, all those guys. And I think you'll get a good effort out of Cincinnati at home against Cleveland. So give me a two-team teaser, Bucks, Bengals at home. Shout out to uh, James Betcher, linebacker coach with the Bengals. We've had his wife on the podcast. And all that, so we will try to get them on the podcast in the offseason. So, going to have a good uh, NFL preview, playoff preview for you next week. David Moulton from Fox Sports, who works with excuse me, not Fox Sports, with ESPN, works with Aikman and Buck in the uh, booth on Monday nights. He's going to be our guest next week. We're going to break down the playoff games. He's he's been to all these Monday night games. He was in Dallas last week. He'll be in Indianapolis this week for Houston in Indianapolis. We'll get a great preview with David Moulton. Um, and there you go. Remember, subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already done so. Find us on Twitter at JPO Sports. Tell your friends. We're going to have some great uh, uh, spots here during the playoffs for you. We're going to break it down, games, matchups, things like that. Uh, point spreads, all that good stuff. But again, David Moulton next week, Powers on Sports podcast. Appreciate you finding us. Tell a friend. It's 2024. We appreciate the support. If you have any interest in advertising on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me at JPO Sports on Twitter um, as well, and we can get you set up. And Coach Jim Levitt coming up after the break here. We're going to break down the CFP championship game in the semifinals. Former USF football coach knows Jim Harbaugh very well. Coached for Coach Harbaugh in the NFL when he was with the 49ers. So we're going to have a great breakdown with Coach Jim Levitt, former USF all-time winning as coach, USF Bulls. (laughs) See you in just a couple minutes. If you have any buying or selling real estate needs in the Tampa Bay area or anywhere in Central Florida, reach out to Drew Felios, 813-382-9934. Drew can help you on the buying side or the selling side for any real estate, commercial, or residential property. Drew is my guy. Anywhere here in the state of Florida, especially in Central Florida, the Tampa Bay area, reach out to Drew Felios, 813-382-9934 for all of your real estate buying and selling needs. Now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market for a new home? Are you looking to get into a, a single family residence, condo, townhouse, duplex, whatever it is? If you need financing help to get pre-approved, what you need to do, reach out to Titan Home Lending and Jason Powers. We'll get you approved in less than 24 hours. We'll get you qualified, figure out what you can afford. And we will get you in a position to be able to make that offer. So reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending. We can help you with an FHA loan, a VA loan if you're a veteran, a conventional loan, a bank statement loan. We can help you with a investment property, a second home. Whatever their financing needs are, reach out to me, Titan Home Lending and Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. All right, welcome back, Powers on Sports Podcast. And then there were two. We are down to the final two, playing for the CFP National Title Game in Houston on Monday night. Two dramatic finishes in the semifinal games. Both games decided on the last play of the game, which is hard to imagine that uh, you get two four teams that that play two classic games that go to the literally the last play of the game. The game's decided. And we're here with Coach Jim Levitt again. Coach was with us last week, and he had Washington, and he had Alabama, but he's also uh, very fond of Michigan as well. But he had Washington to beat Texas. Uh, So we got a Michigan-Washington matchup for the College Football National Championship. Coach Levitt, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Boys, uh, Jason, you're right. Uh, First of all, Happy New Year.
0: I had a New Year's
1: Eve party with about... 12 of my daughter's friends and, uh, kept me up all night. <laughs> uh, just getting ready for these two unbelievable games. I mean, they had, we had the two championship games. We had Oregon bearing Liberty and,
0: yeah,
1: uh, and then LSU won a really a close game yeah. with Wisconsin. That kind of surprised me. Uh, and that was with LSU's backup quarterback. So it all set it up for the big Michigan, Alabama and Washington, uh, Washington game that was uh, unbelievable with Texas, you know. All
0: right, let's – just give me a couple general thoughts. You, I'm sure – I know you watch both games. Just give me a couple general thoughts from each game, and then we'll get into a couple of the uh, technical issues, technical uh, aspects of each one. Just some general comments about each game, your thoughts.
1: Well, first of all, I thought they were great games. I thought they were um, really well-coached games. Honestly, I know we'll – talk about some errors that were made, but man, these are four of the, the best head coaches in the country that have done a great job getting their teams there. I mean, I know Sark pretty well spent a whole day with him when he was the head coach, of the university of Washington out there. And, uh, you know, I haven't had any real run-ins with coach Saban. I worked for coach Harbaugh for four years.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, that's for sure. And then um. And then my strength coach, Ronnie McKeefrey, who was with me for nine years in South Florida, is the strength coach at Washington. And I don't know their head coach. What a great job he's done. So they're great games. They all came down to the end. They're all what uh, the, quote, committee was hoping would happen as far as real good games. You know, I have some, um, you know, know, I, I didn't like the way it was all set up because you don't know what Florida State would have done, but uh, you know, I most people would think that Florida State would have gotten killed. But, you know, that wasn't a Florida State team that played against Georgia. Georgia right. may be the best team in the country. Who knows? But anyway, I'm going off on tangents. That's not what we were going to talk about. Uh, Alabama, um, Michigan, unbelievable. I thought Alabama had, had it going. I thought they were going to win the game. Uh, and uh, I was kind of disappointed what they did with the last little bit over a minute to go in the game. Yeah, I thought they'd get down there and at least have a, a chance to take a field goal. And then the uh, Texas game, I, I just could not believe. I was so tired. I stayed up and watched the very end, and I'm glad I did. I could not believe the mistakes that Washington made to allow uh, Texas to get in there. Of course, the injured a player, it stops the clock. so that right. uh, I mean, there's no way that Texas should have had any more than 15 seconds. Right. The 20 seconds to go in game. Just bad luck.
0: Just bad luck. The fluky injury, bad luck. It was unbelievable.
1: So, I don't know. Uh, And
0: then then Texas has four shots from the 12 to win the game. Four plays from the 12-yard line.
1: 13. But either way, it was – I mean, they threw the ball to the running back going around the outside. They might have – you know, that has worked for them before because if you're in man coverage, you might just run right by the guy and. Yep. And we get a lot of people run man when you get down that goal line. Uh, and, you know, but they didn't work out. I mean, Washington, and then just a couple plays. I I thought they'd, they'd throw a, a couple more jump balls to some matchup problems like they did earlier in a touchdown, but they tried it on the last play and the DB did a great job getting over the top and swatting the ball away. But the fact that they were even there. Right. Was unbelievable with the long snapper. Hitting the punt returner, yeah. I mean, that was crazy. And then they used their t- Texas used their timeouts well. I mean, it was it was crazy game. I watched it had control the whole game. Could not believe how well Pedic threw.
0: Oh gosh,
1: man, was he on fire! I don't know if anybody could can beat them if he throws if he throws if he's given the time. Yeah, and he and they protect them well. Uh, I thought Texas probably should have came after him a little bit more, but. Uh, like Mishka did against Alabama, um, but
0: my gosh, was he—he he was on fire! What's so Absolutely. impressive about fire. Penix, in, in my view, and you know this as a defensive coordinator, he can throw the fastball, he can throw the ball with touch, and he always hits his receivers in stride. Every one of those deep balls are right on the money in stride. Guys can get yards after the catch.
1: Yeah, you know he did that with, uh, you know, when when he just threw the ball at the perimeter you know, those screens. And, um, I mean, he, he threw it ahead of, like you said, ahead of the receiver or running back to where he could really, really go. I couldn't believe how perfect he was and all that. And he has really good feet and he can, and he can run and hurt you. And he did, you know, with a couple of those quarterback run plays, but also scrambling and also just keeping his eyes downfield, moving around the pocket. He did a great job of doing that. Uh, I, I was more impressed with him this game than I have all year. And, He's been impressive all year. They said he had a little chip on his shoulder because he got second in the Heisman voting. So, you know, uh, it should be a great game with Michigan. A lot of storylines, you know, and you got the two undefeated teams that are playing.
0: Yeah, right.
1: You know, I mean, Florida State was the other one. Uh, but, um, you know, we'll never know the end of that story. We, we never will. So, but but it'll be, it should be a great game. Uh, this championship game should be a great one.
0: I was a little disappointed in Texas. I thought Texas's passing game would be a little more effective against Washington. They ran the ball pretty good, but untimely a couple costly turnovers. The guy, the running back, coughed it up a couple times. In Washington, to their credit, didn't turn the ball over other than the one muffed muff, muff punt return.
1: Right. Um. You know, you were playing, He played really well, and boy, what I was impressed with was when he hit the head on the turf. And you wondered, you know, he had a chance to come out and not play. Right because they were down by 10 and he came in there and he threw some really good balls. And I mean, he finished the game very well. Uh, And now there's a discussion whether he'll come back or not. Again, I think, I think he probably will. I think he should. Um, There's a lot of good quarterbacks coming out, but um, yeah, I thought he finished. Well, I know he had a lapse there in the third quarter, but I thought he finished the game really well.
0: Talk about the culture of Washington. The first time, I think, in like 100 years or 75 years that a team has won 10 straight games by 10 points or less. Talk about the culture and the grittiness that you have to have as a team to be in those kind of games week after week after week, and you find a way to win every one of them.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I've seen any team that has won so many close games. You know, when I was a head football coach in South Florida, we I always thought about, in our program, being there about 13, 14 years, it was we won a lot of close games. And, I, and I've and i always said that you've got to be able to win the close games because there's going to be a bunch of them. But I don't know if I've ever seen a team have this many.
0: Ten in a row.
1: At such a high level. Yes. And where everything was at, all the stakes were very high. Uh, it's remarkable um, that they just, they, they're relentless. They never give up. And that's the big thing. I remember Bill Snyder used to tell us that all the time when I was at Kansas State and Bob Stoops and I were co-D coordinators. You know, never, 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 ever give up, and you to always put that in the playbook. Uh, and and boy, you saw an example of that uh, watch they just they just don't. There's no quitting them. Of course, you know when you get these teams, this, these last four, there's no quitting any of them. Um, you know, I, I you know you know there's going to be a discussion, and there has been a discussion, and there was I had a lot of text messages after the Alabama Michigan game on the last play by Alabama, and. Um, you know, I know what they're trying to do, and I thought it was a good call. You know, they're running what I call counter O, quarterback counter O. Right. The right guard is pulling, and he's going to trap the end man on the line of scrimmage. Well, um, Mitch can bring bring edge pressure, really, from both sides. But the outside guy might have run right by the quarterback.
0: He might have.
1: And the guard, the guard could have pulled right up. And I really believe if the snap was good yep. that he might have scored. Because I went I, – I didn't watch the play on replay. They didn't show it that many times, but I saw it later that night. Replayed a few times because I wanted to see if there was off tackle, if there was that opening
0: with the there guard. Was, there, and was. there was. There was.
1: A, there was a crease. And I and I think that's why the quarterback was so mad, not only the, the fact that they didn't win the game, but the fact that he didn't have a chance to be a football player, an right. athlete. Right. The, the ball came so low, he couldn't see anything. He had to just try to run it right up to try to get to the goal line because he had three or four yards to go. If the stat would have been higher and he would have followed that guard to the left, there would have been a real chance. I did not think the play was that. And I I really appreciate Saban not getting on the center and not saying anything. I, I listened to the post game yep. and he explained the whole series about the timeouts and all of it. I thought he did a really good job of just being honest. And, um, but he didn't say anything about the center. And I really believe that was a huge part of that game, all the snaps from the center.
0: And is that That just just to have it – is that the kid just having a bad day or is that the pressure of the moment that causes these errant snaps? What causes the center three and four times in a game when you've been shotgun snapping all year like this? What causes that?
1: I You know, I really don't know, although I can speculate that it was the, uh, the ability of the defensive line of Michigan, you know, and you're a center and you're calling these things out and you've got to make sure you snap and step and you've got to get your blocks and you're going against one of the best defensive lines in the country. Right. That's, that's, that's the challenge. That's difficult. And I, I believe that was probably it. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, you see the pressure of the moment. Yes, there, there is a whole lot of pressure. Um, but I think that uh, I think just trying to get his block. Yeah, you know, you know when you know when you got that counter row or counter or whatever you want to call it, I just call it counter row because usually when you have the high, when you have a good snap, the quarterback will step hard to his right, then go to his left hard, right, just to freeze the linebackers to set up the blocks. Well, um, he that, that means the center's got a block back, and depending on the front, he might have to get all the way to the four eye. And that's, that's two or three steps, and that guy's coming. <laughs> and so he's trying to make that snap and try to, you know, and take that step and back block like that. that that's hard to do.
0: Talking about the, you, you meant, you made a great point before these games about special teams last week on the podcast. Major special teams errors by Michigan. You had a botched punt, you had a missed field goal, you had a bad center snap. How is, again, these are the moments in these games where these are not the star players that are committing all these. These are the bit, the role players of your team that are on these special teams. What kind of – how fortunate is Michigan to get out of that game alive? Obviously, you had to play at the end of the game where the kid tries to catch a punt on the three-yard line. First of all, you have no business even catching the ball, much less – I mean, if that guy gets hit ten times, he fumbles that ball seven or eight times as violently as he got hit at the one-yard line. How – I mean, just the, talk about the special teams moments in these games.
1: Well, it's amazing the confidence that Coach Harbaugh had with these returners. You know, the first one's a freshman. Uh, the kid that made the play at the end, I don't know what year he is. He's probably, he might be a freshman also.
0: I heard a story. He and was the, a preferred walk-on. I heard a story. He was a preferred walk-on punt returner.
1: And it put him in that moment at that time. It is is amazing the confidence that – the coach is having players, but you know, you <laughs> you have to, you know. But you're right. At that moment he didn't need to catch the ball at all. And you know, whatever happened to the rules were when I grew up you stood the ten yard line, the
0: ten yard line, don't go past the ten.
1: When I played at uh, Missouri and congrats to them for uh beating Ohio State, my alma mater. The last time we beat Ohio State, I was a safety in nineteen seventy six. And uh, Archie Griffin on left, Ray Griffin was still there, and we beat him on the last play of the game. Woody Hayes with Pete Woods going down the left side and getting <laughs> the end zone. So I'm on a tangent a little bit. I had to, I had to, I had to stroke my uh, my Missouri Tigers a little bit. But you know, I always threw the ten yard line. I was a punt returner, and if it went over my head, I let it go. But- and if it was close, you know, you catch it because you don't really know where that ball is going to fall sometimes. Uh, But, man, you're
0: on a three-yard line. I don't know. But from Uh, a coaching point, especially at that moment of the game, would that not have been something Coach Harbaugh and or the special teams guy tell the retirement, don't catch the ball because there's nothing good that can happen by you catching the ball here? I mean, I'm surprised they even fielded the punt, even would have fielded the punt.
1: Yeah, I don't know why you even have somebody back there. You know, put somebody back about 15 yards as a safety just in case they – <laughs> They're going to run a yeah. baker, right? Which you knew they weren't going to do. It was going to go to overtime. You Dallas, make it yeah. You know, there a number of years ago, Coach Harbaugh was at Michigan. They played Michigan State. And uh,
0: the famous end of that game. Yep. I
1: remember yeah, that. Was a bad snap or something on the punt team?
0: Yep.
1: Uh, unbelievable. And it, can you imagine if this would have happened? I, Coach Harbaugh would have, <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, he's had. He's been in some incredible moments. I was with him when we were in the Super Bowl, and we lost in the last play of the game. And Crabtree was—he was interfered with. So Jim has been to the Super Bowl, and now he wants to win national championship. And he'll probably end up going to the Chargers and being with my uh, <laughs> my, my guy there. Uh, you know, played, Herbert, your guy, Herbert. Uh, Justin was with us at Oregon. An unbelievable. I think he's got Brady type ability. He's an unbelievable player, an unbelievable person. Uh, If Harbaugh gets with him, that'll be interesting. But uh, that's another tangent. I keep going off on him. But (laughs) these games, I mean, this could be quite a matchup. You know, the storyline of Michigan, I got to believe that. You know, I don't know. If Penix throws the ball like he did in a semifinal game, it would be hard to beat Washington. And, you know, they've just done a great job. And use their tight ends well. Michigan, well, they coached extremely well in that game, other than we talked about the miscues. I thought their play calling, some things they did on offense towards the end of that game was really something. It was surprised me that Michigan was able to run the ball in there on the overtime like they did against Alabama's defense.
0: Were you surprised at the end of regulation with three minutes to go and he had timeouts left? Were you surprised Harbaugh went for it on his own thirty, or did you think that was the right play? Fourth and two, they had the obviously they were down. They had to, they had to score the touchdown. Were you surprised that he that he punted that he didn't punt or we or, or What'd you think of the
1: call? I, I wouldn't have been surprised on either decision, and either decision would have been the right decision. Right. Uh, everybody will yell at me on that one, uh, but you know you can't blame a coach for punting. his on thirty. He had timeouts. Uh, you and the defense was I, playing they, well.
0: The defense was playing good.
1: Yep. You got the you got the best defense in the country. You know, most people probably would have punted. Uh, it. I wouldn't say most people. That one is so hard. Fourth that's and two, it was fourth season. and
0: it, two, it, right. Yeah, you
1: know, if it was a yard, I understand kind of going for it two yards. I mean, that's that, – those are the, the storylines. Those are things that uh, – why this is such a great game, you know, and why it's a billion-dollar industry and why everybody wants to coach and play and go watch the games because of things like that.
0: Knowing, know, Co- knowing, knowing Coach Harbaugh like you do – was there any thought of his in his head of going for two when they tied when it was twenty to nineteen? Do you think there was any thought of him going for two?
1: No, I mean you always want to extend the game if you can. I I do, uh, but again with Jim, I nothing would surprise me really. I uh, I thought about that when that was happening during the game. I wondered if he would go for two, and when the kicker came out, I thought right away. I know I would have extended the game. I,
0: sure, sure. I've
1: always, I've always. Uh, extended even you know I'll never forget we played Auburn and beat Auburn up there and a real similar type game and we uh, our kicker was really really struggling uh Delbert Alvarado he ended up making a making a big kick at the end there but we got down in there and uh could have gone could have gone for two but no I went ahead and I went ahead and kicked um to, yep. tie, to put overtime but um those are those are. Not always easy decisions. You just a lot of times it's just your gut. Yeah, how the game's going. You just make the decision and go, and you don't you don't look back. I never look back. I just made a decision. It never seemed to be hard for me to make a decision. I just did it, and whatever it was,
0: that's what we lived with. What did you think? To me, I think one of the one of the overlooked plays of that game was after Michigan ties the game twenty to twenty, Alabama's driving a little bit, and Milro has on second down. He has the kid on the crossing route that he throws the ball in the dirt. If he completes that pass to the 50 on second and 10, they're probably going to get a field goal, a field goal attempt there to win the game. Yeah, I, I was really
1: disappointed. Probably the biggest thing about that game, uh, other than we talked about the Michigan punt returner, but the fact that I I felt like Alabama for some reason was just, or the quarterback was just kind of. Thinking I've got overtime in my back pocket, or some was right. It just didn't seem like they were on edge.
0: They weren't and urgent that, in that, that last drive. Not a lot of urgency.
1: Yeah, I just something was missing on that drive from my standpoint, and I don't know. But i I fully thought that they would move the ball and get in position to these attempt a field goal. And I don't know if that was a drive where the quarterback ran and he could have got the first down, but he slid. And there was like a couple of yards short uh, where normally he probably would go for it. No, that was probably earlier in the game. But I just thought he'd run it or something would happen where they would get the ball in there. And I was I was just disappointed uh, with how Alabama went about that. It was over a minute to go and
0: they had time. They had plenty of yeah. All right, so we got Michigan, Washington National Championship game on Monday in, in Houston. I'm Jason along with Coach Jim Levitt. We're breaking down the game. Got here's a question for you. As a defensive guy, is it easier preparing for this championship game? Is it easier to prepare for a high flying passing attack or harder to prepare harder to prepare for a grinded out pounding running attack as a defensive coordinator?
1: Well, both difficult if they're that good at what they're doing. You know, uh, it's more difficult when a team's got balance, you know, can do both.
0: And Michigan's got a little more balance. Michigan's more the running attack, play action, where Washington, they like to high fly, throw it down the field.
1: Well, I don't know if uh, nobody's been able to match up with these receivers for Washington. I mean, you know, Texas didn't, and they've got some great players. And I think that's going to be the matchup on those, those big receivers on, um, that Washington has. I mean, there's some big plays that have been going on all year long and he's going to, he's going to throw five or six shots again. And depending on how good those corners are for Michigan, uh, this, that'll be a real test. You're talking about some, some great players on this field. And, um, you know again like I said I I would give the edge to Washington if Penix throws like he did I and mean, he threw the ball so well but boy you know I know I know Jim I know they'll be extremely well prepared the confidence that they have but you like you talk about both teams are man you you're, you're not undefeated going to championship game if you if you don't have What's the brotherhood? That's right, right. <laughs> you know, if you don't have that in your locker room. And it's, and developing that is is extraordinary. And sometimes it just happens. You know, I've been with some teams that were not as talented, that were really good because they were just so close and they fought for each other. You know, the one Colorado team we had, at 110, we played Washington Championship game. We didn't have a we didn't have a lot of NFL talent, but we had a team that just played together, and that's what these two teams are really close. They're really connected, so it'd be, it'd be a heck of a game. You know, I'm going to give the edge a little bit to Michigan just because uh, I was with Jim and the storylines on Michigan and how he didn't even coach in six games and the <laughs> whole deal. It just it seems like it's it's uh, what's supposed to happen, but I don't know. I I feel real bad if Jim loses the he lost the Super Bowl. If he loses the Nash championship game when he's this close, well, I don't know if he'll
0: <laughs> survive it. From Washington's defensive perspective, do you anticipate them loading the box, eight in the box, and playing man-to-man on the outside? Because Michigan's receivers are not elite. Do you think Washington's going to try to play man on the outside and really load the box to stop that running game?
1: Well, you know, it's hard because what Michigan does, though, is they do, they're real good in the short passing game. And, they, and, you know, they get you up in there, and they still get things out in the flat and the perimeter and, the tight you know, end. not always the deep balls, but yeah, use your tight end well, and you know. So I, man, I don't. You know, you can't just do that. You're gonna have to. <laughs> you know, I don't know how it's gonna play out. You know, it's tough on those uh, defensive coaches. You know, these are good, good teams, good players, good offenses.
0: Talk about how you keep the play during this week of preparation. The the t- the today Thursday Friday Saturday. How do you keep the players and of course they're amped up and the coaches are amped up. How do you keep them from, how do you keep them low key and stick to the game plan and not be thinking about Monday night to get to Monday night?
1: Well, just continue what you've been doing because they obviously got to the semifinal game when there's a lot more time and a lot more distractions. You know, I mean, this is at least a shorter period of time. Uh, Certainly they will be, you know, they've got to go down to Houston. They'll, They'll, They've got travel plans, got all that. These guys have got good senior leadership. They got good leadership on their team. You know, I, I don't know if they go. I, it'll be interesting to see if they go full pads at all. If they right. do, it'll only be one day. Um, they might just do shoulder pads for a couple of days, and that's it. Because uh, you want because these guys have played a lot of a lot of football and they're sore and they're beat up, and you want to have them as healthy as possible on Monday night. Uh, so you want to try to keep them on edge, but also, you know, have them have them, have their bodies feeling good uh as good as possible at this point you know going into this game um so do what you've been doing you know these guys know they, they've been hit with a lot of potential distractions you want to try to keep your family away from you as much as you can this week though because all the families will be there
0: right. at this game
1: it'll be like the super bowl and you know the bottom line is you want to you want to win you know and and that's why I even watched it, even when I was in San Francisco, we played Atlanta and beat them to go to the Super Bowl. And I remember Pat Willis and Bowman, those guys are, you know, don't, don't celebrate right now. This is not what we're after. We're after winning the whole thing. And uh, both teams, will celebrate quite a
0: bit. One interesting thing I think I, we saw in both games, we saw several trick plays. Again, is it, will this be something where you'll see a trick play Monday night? With that, something they haven't run all year—a double reverse pass, a court, you know, a double pass to a receiver who throws to somebody else. I mean, I think you're going to see something like that by somebody in this game, right?
1: Well, both teams will have those plays ready, and then both teams will have probably worked on some of those plays all year long, and they haven't showed it. Uh, I think that you're, you're going to get that. Yeah, I think you, I think they'll have it available. Uh, will, will we see it it's just, it just depends how the game plays out uh but they'll definitely have those plays ready ready to go you know uh no doubt kicking game as well it's it's going be um will be a heck of a deal you know it's always the same thing though you got to stop the explosive plays and you got to protect the football you know you can't you can't give up that football and that'll that'll be a big deal in this game
0: all right, I want to ask you a couple. I want to ask you a couple NFL playoff questions. As we're getting getting to the to the finish right. line of the NFL regular season, a week like this where you have some teams that are that know where they're that are in the playoffs, but maybe they don't know what seed they're going to be, but they know they're in. How does the preparation change? This week, as far as especially from a coaching perspective, hey, we might not play our guys the entire game, we might play some guys a quarter or a half, maybe not at all. How do you make that determination, especially if you're in the playoffs? But you can improve your seating by maybe by a result in another game. Obviously, you want to win your game. How do you handle that mixture of playing guys versus resting guys? No, I think that's a challenge.
1: If, you, if you're not going to, if you're going to playoffs, it's not going to really change where you're at, then rest your guys. Yep. I don't believe that you have to have the momentum. You know, you got twenty shoot, we played like twenty-four games. <laughs> the you know, we went to three NFC championship games when I went to 49ers and you know, we played like 24 games. There's a lot of games. These guys have the maturity, and I know I know some coaches will believe in momentum. You keep winning. And you're gonna try to win, but you got some big time players that you need to <clears throat> you need to get off that field. Um now. If you're playing for home field advantage, that's a whole other deal.
0: Uh, then- I'll give you a good scenario, Dallas and Philadelphia. Dallas, Philly, obviously, Philly can still be the two seed, but more than right. likely they think Dallas is going to beat Washington. Does a team like Philly play their guys? Because they've not been playing well the last three, four weeks. Do you play your guys this week with a chance to still get the two seed? Or do you, or do you take the approach of, hey, we think Dallas is going to win. We're going to take it easy.
1: Well, I think Kansas City will play their players. I think Mahomes will play. I think all that because uh, you made the point where they got to get on. They got to get their rhythm back a little bit, and right. they got to get some positive things going on going into the playoffs. So I think you'll see them play, and then just see how the game plays out. You know, if they're, you know, just you know, it's hard to say. Obviously, if they're way behind or way ahead, and they can they can get guys off the field. They'll do it.
0: Sure, um,
1: but they I know they'll want to win this game. And uh, they need a little bit of momentum going back in, but you know, then again, Mahomes, those guys have won a Super Bowl, so they know the playoffs is very different. And uh, you know, they'll have the right mindset going in. You know, it's not like it's different. These guys, but of course, a lot of guys haven't been. You know, a lot. Some of these teams, like when, like, um, you know, San Francisco, when we got to the Super Bowl, Vic Fangio was one of the best defensive coordinators in in the country. He's with the Miami Dolphins right now. Yeah. He's a great coach. That was the first Super Bowl. He he'd been in the in the league for 20 some years. He'd never been to the Super Bowl. So, you know, my my point is this. Uh, it's just gonna vary. Uh <laughs> I think Kansas City will play their players. Uh, you know, certainly their head coach has been around. Uh, and he'll handle it well. Uh, but I think they'll play their players. I think they need to get some momentum back going in. And and again, it just it, it depends on whether you can get home field advantage or
0: not, that's going to be a big deal. In the game you speak of Buffalo and Miami, Buffalo could win the division. They could be out of the playoffs. Miami could be the number two seed, or they could be the six seed based on what happens in this game. Sunday night in Miami. Is this a week that you do even more work or is it you try to keep the same routine when there's so much on the line in this game?
1: Well, you're always going
0: to work. You know, it's not, not
1: more work or not less work. It's, you know, you're always grinding. You're always you're, you're going to work. I, I'm, I'm talking about as coaches. Yeah, you're going to work very, very hard. Players, they've been in a long time. They they'll probably just be in helmets. The practices are very different in the NFL. You know, now that's changing with college. But you know, here college, 14, 15 games, whatever it is, it's not twenty four. Um, and 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 the grown men are a little bit different, but it's just a different game. Uh, but the, but everybody's going to play. Everybody's going to go as. As hard as they can in this one, uh, Buffalo needs to win. So does Miami.
0: Yeah. All right, Coach. Talk to me one more and last question. I'll get you out of here. How hard is it to coach professional players when there's nothing on the line? There's a lot of teams playing this weekend that are out of it, that are just you know ready for a vacation. In theory, how hard is it to keep these guys motivated in a week where they know there's nothing on the line and they're completely out of it? A team like Carolina playing the Bucks.
1: Well, you know, I only coached for one NFL team for the 49ers, and I went through four seasons. Three of those seasons, we went all the way to the NFC championship game. So there's always something on the line. The last year, there we were eight and eight. And, um, you know, but the mentality, uh, Pat Willis and the Bowman were both hurt. I had to play uh, Chris Borland, who was a great player out of Wisconsin, and Mike Wilhoyt, who played at Washburn, interesting enough. Uh, and those guys were very motivated because, obviously, the contracts and those kind of things. You know, I, I think there's always a couple of players that you might have a, might have a challenging time depending on their contract status, uh, you know, and people don't want to get hurt, you know, certainly. And, uh, but I was never in that challenging type of position, you know, so, you know, I can only speculate on what it might be, but I, I think those guys are pros. They'll get, they've got contracts. They'll they'll go out and show up, you know, maybe not like they are in a playoff, um, but you might have a you might have one or two players that are some of the high dollar players that might uh, have contract situations where they might
0: not want to play or play as much. And how by the way, how good is Lamar Jackson? How great was he last week? And I yeah, mean, yeah, he's, he's else, you know. He I know you probably had it. Did you did you play against Michael Vick?
1: I did. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, did I, I didn't. Thank God. But I coached him. I had Pat Willis as our spy.
0: <laughs> and He uh, told and us I that story when, last week. Yeah. Yeah, about <laughs> yeah, Pat
1: ran on the sideline. I I told Pat, I said, Pat, I know you're fast. You know, Pat ran about a four <laughs> three in the combine. He he would argue that he he ran about a four two nine, I think. But and uh, all week long we were prepping him and I kept saying we were we were kind of smiling, and this Vic is fast now. And then right during about the second quarter he ran Vic uh, Vic ran off to our sideline and Pat ran right by me and looked right at me and goes, Coach, you're right, boy. He really is bad. <laughs> I have a hard time catching him. So, uh, Lamar's, you know, he can. He's he's playing very well right now, and could be have a hard time beating Baltimore with the the level of that he's playing with. You know, and that team's playing well right now. Boy, they're really hot.
0: All right, give me a pick for Monday night.
1: Well, Michigan. I'm going to I'm going to lean on Michigan a little bit, but boy, I, I, this this I don't know what the point spread is on this, but it's got to be about zero. It's got to be a toss-up game uh, because uh, it, it, these are just both on a few teams, both really good teams, both well-coached. Uh, I love the fact – I, I just – you know, they're hoping Jim Jim will win at this time. But, boy, Ronnie McKeith, a watching Washington's team, so I'm kind of
0: torn there a little bit.
1: <laughs> but I don't know. You know, I'm going to give a little edge to Michigan. We'll see.
0: All right, Coach. Appreciate the time. Awesome analysis, and enjoy the game Monday night. Enjoy the NFL playoffs coming up, and we'll talk. Happy New Year, you and the hope you guys had a great uh, New Year's Day and and such. And uh, we'll talk soon. Okay.
1: All right. Thanks, Jason. We'll see you.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight.